relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. Man, we're getting close to the to the end. It's a bitter farewell, but at the same time, an excited one of being like, "Ooh, yes, what's coming up, you I guys?" Know. I know. It's it, it is bitter sweet. You're right. I was when you said bitter, I was like, I'm not bitter, but it is that thing of like, <laughs> I am a little sad that we won't be talking about humble anymore after this season. But then you and I are going back up in June, maybe with some guests to do some sh- live shows. So that'll be fun just to go back up there. And then we have we've made friends. So I don't know what I'm sad about. Well, yeah, I'm always going to go up the there. Friends. But the new I am excited about the new season because new friends, some old friends are I've known for a long time. We're going to talk to this. Is this how are you doing this week? What? I'm alive. It's crazy. There's sunshine here for a little bit. So, like, everybody's coming out and just being like, oh, we're human beings again. Oh, a little horny. Probably a little too horny right now. A little bit of that. I, you know, people Not everybody's got their vaccine stuff. Yeah. Chill. You chill on the too horny. Be careful, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just growing shit, getting soil reports. It's amazing what I can barely comprehend in my soil reports. And I'm like, oh, this is this Greek is starting to make sense to me now. So I'm so excited to impart that to you guys on the Patreon. I was going to say, I just able. posted a video of, of me getting in. I made my soil. It was so, it's addictive. Yeah. It's, like, I think that's probably why I'm a little bittersweet about us not going back up. I mean, we're going back up, but not, and we're going to go to a bunch of farms actually in between the shows because now that I've made my soil and I'm getting in it on the Patreon, oh, those, some of those farms are even more impressive. <laughs> where I was like, and now I'm like, oh, and remember when we passed? This is going to be on the Patreon too, you guys. Uh, on the it'll be a bonus episodes we're putting uh matt kurth he gave us tours taking us to places and we record them and we're going to make that into a an episode uh for a bonus episode behind the first tier on patreon but the growing one remember he was talking about that place that guy that sells compost for 50 dollars a bucket and he sold out yeah. I was like, man, when I was making that soil the other day, that's I thought about, and then I got some steer manure compost for the for the compost tea and stuff we're gonna make. I thought about, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a bucket of that fifty dollars stuff. <laughs> There's a guy up here in town who makes his own, and he like grows all these wild herbs and different things to throw into the compost, and has this rich, you know, smell to it. And it's very loamy, mm. which uh, that's a fun word to say, but yeah, it, is. it is like I, now at my point, like I can pick out 
the amount of cocoa fiber in a soil like ratios and stuff like that which is so cool and like it's cool once you get to that level because all soils are different they all have characteristics they all have a story to tell and when you can kind of see a little bit of that story it just puts a deeper love into it so the fact that you're mixing up soil and some of our listeners are doing the same thing that's the first step on this journey of falling in love with it i'm reading and i'm reading teaming with microbes right now too while i'm doing it it's i'm into it you guys i'll be honest it's like a it's not like a it's not like a phase this is like a lifestyle that i'm into i noticed because we were at a little kid's birthday party uh, everyone had been vaxxed it was a really interesting it wasn't a large gathering it was kind of a small gathering but everyone had been vaccinated and so there was people you could tell we didn't have to wear the mask so people would be like putting it on and but anyway that's another thing whatever but during the party someone was talking about they had just moved into a new house uh in the last year and their roses were amazing because this raised bed blah blah, blah and they've got it's and she, she was just going on she's like it's because they've got like this drip fountain and i was just i just kept going what's the soil what what is the <laughs> <laughs> what's the soil did they put it it's like did you change it or anything and she's kind of ignoring me and she's like my wife's friend i love her too but my wife still my wife's really good friends and my wife just goes honey she doesn't know what the soil is stop <laughs> and i was like oh oh well i've i'm different now i'm talking yeah. about soil at parties <laughs> and no one wanted to hear about the soil I, was that like, is- I just want to be like i'm changing it's, I have information about the future. <laughs> that is my favorite parties where people just want to talk to me about weed. And then I start going down the soil thing. And they're just kind of like, I I just want to talk about herb, man. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so like, so you like, get my brain higher with your weed talk. <laughs> You're talking about bugs. Bugs and, you know, nutrient cycling nematodes. <gasps> I'm just, I know. And it, uh, what's it? What is it? Chemo is like chemo resistors. You know what? I gotta, I, I've gotta take, I've started taking notes because I've had to reread a couple things. And it's figured a dense out, book. I, it is, it's a textbook, is what I figured out. And yeah. I was like, oh, I need to take notes because this is it. He, it's written well for a textbook, but it's still a textbook. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's a, it's an, it's a nice read. Some textbooks aren't nice reads, but this one is. But it's just full of information. Where you're like, man, I, I glanced over that word and shouldn't have. Now I got to go back and figure out because there's some. It's like algebra too, where you're like, ah, you can't skip a day. You're fucked. Uh-huh. Well, it is. He, you know, he comes here to Eugene and talks at the grow shops a bunch. And he is that person in real life where he'll just start talking and, you know, you'll see people understanding, but then he just starts going off and then he's like, okay, you guys don't actually need to know that. So see, like he that's does, like you. that's how you do it. <laughs> I bet you guys are, I wish you get him on here. I would love to. He's Why haven't right. you brought that up? You dumb dumb. We can do that. <laughs> he's not Eugene or Humboldt. So, so it, be, it doesn't matter. This is like a, we'll this him. guy's like a fundamental dude for everything we're doing so see okay you guys i have to i forget that 
Mike forgets it. I will go out and get people and know how to email and be like, hey, you should, would you like to talk to us? And they're like, yeah. And Mike's always like, wow. And I'm like, because he lives in seven different little ecosystems he's created. And, and well, eight counting your house. And that's where he's lived for the past eight, for especially past year since we really got this mofo going. This whole thing has been quarantined. It's been amazing. And it's amazing wow. that we've had this. It's amazing that all you listeners have hopped on board and enjoyed. It's just going to get better, you guys, because the world's going to open up. We've been doing this in a closed Closed system. loop. Closed loop system. That's that's the extract. I know what that is now, too. <laughs> this episode, let's get into it. This has been a long uh, intro, but we've been having fun. This is a fun episode. This is Casali was like, you need to talk to these guys. They're fantastic. And we're like, yes, sir. Anything we'll you say. We'll do that. We and will then that. Uh, he has not let us down yet because it is a great, this is great. A great name, too. Hogwash Farms is a great name. And I like, well, you, I'm not going to spoil it. I was about to spoil it. We'll talk about that after. Do the thing, <laughs> even though I just said the thing. But it'll be more fun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Hogwash Farms. So, so Mr. John Casale is—he sent us. I think he introduced us, and we were. Yeah. We were. He was like, he just sent me an email. He's like, you got to interview these guys. And we're, I was like, yes, sir. Whatever you say. Because yeah, I, I trust that man. The days of the school bus. Really. Oh yeah. Well, we used to pick him up on the school bus in the bottom of his driveway right there where his farm is. So he's he's been there pretty much his entire life. Um, and I lived a little farther out the road from him, um, just out in Edersburg, um, back when I was a kid. So. so first off, I'm immediately jealous of the way that you grew up because that's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my life. I'm just like, man, I grew up in New Jersey. We, our bus rides must've been very different, very well, different. Probably shorter than ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You would think so. It was a lot of dodging and ducking, weaving through small neighborhoods. It didn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> so did you guys grow up together? Um, all of us? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Wow. Yep. Jill, Jill's a few years older than I am. I'll let her tell Johnny her Johnny and I grew up together. We're the same age. Nice. Were you guys, uh, did you guys go to high school together? Grade school? All uh, of that grade stuff? Grade school. Uh, and then uh, I went to an alternative high school in Bryceland, which is right before um, you've, you've been in the area, right? Or yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's before it's, you know, you can do, you drive right through it to get to Johnny's farm. I don't yeah. know if you've been to his farm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We went yes. out and saw okay. his farm. It was very impactful for us. So. It, <laughs> yes. 
and then it yeah. really yeah and then we went to bryceland forest which is kind of in that area too right the bryceland yeah. forest farms yeah 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 that was yeah beautiful. they're a younger generation with yes that's <laughs> i like that you guys do that like they're they're, they're youngins. They're, they're youngins. youngins. All that energy. <laughs> I they do have a lot of energy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My I go, yeah, my I go from cattle farmers and I saw how many fields they had, and I was like, that's you gotta do that every day, you guys. That's a lot. <laughs> yep. Well, that's that's un, really what farming is. No matter what level you're doing it at, you know, if you're growing any of your own food, it's gonna be some sort of hard work, no it's matter an, what. At it's what an, level. It's an everyday process. It's it's work that's right at your house. That's the fun part about it. Like that's wow, what we yeah. <laughs> that's what we tried it. Like it's the coolest thing ever to wake up in the morning and you go out and you look at your plants and enjoy that. But then it also makes it hard to leave work because you're like, oh, but I could actually do that one thing real quick. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna do that other thing real quick. And then you're like, it's nine o'clock at night. Uh, <laughs> yep. Well, that's the farming thing is the sun up, sun down. And that's how the summers are. You're you're working 16 hours a day by the end of the year. And then when harvest comes, it's just hell. But, you know, it's not, he said it's so calm. It's, it's just not necessarily hell. a dream come true for, you know, but it is our it is our livelihood and our lifestyle that we've had for, you know, four, four and a half decades. I mean, my family moved up here in 1970, and we've been cultivating cannabis from day one, moving to Gumbel County. Um, so, so you've been about this then. What was that like growing up with it? It was, um, it was, you know, we were taught not to talk about it in school. It was, you know, we referred to it as we, we grew tomatoes. We were tomato farmers. So we grew a hell of a lot of tomatoes. We were also really heavy into agriculture. Also, we grew a lot, like most of our own food and for the other neighborhoods um, too. So we've always been into farming one thing or the other. Um, and it just was more of a lifestyle, you know, and not really a, uh, so to speak, a glorified lifestyle. It was a real hush hush, try to make ends meet for um, back of the land hippie families back in the day. And you didn't need a lot to do that. You know, 1500 bucks would buy you a new Volkswagen back in those days. So you didn't really need, you know, 1500 bucks and you were on the road with a year's worth of supplies back in 1970s, early days. So there was a, there's a lot of, a lot of poverty and history that the early farmers have come through to get to the days of prosperity where some of us are now uh, that we would like to call prosperity legalization hasn't really been what they've advertised it to be <laughs> wow and, and like i can't yeah. even imagine like i've i've only been in the cannabis industry for a decade now and once it was going towards legalization i was like oh i think this could be good this could be awesome you know yeah. this might be helpful for people so that they don't have to spend their lives in prison for it but it for sure wasn't the way that was advertised so i can't imagine somebody who this has been a part of your life, a part of your family's lives, you know, for de generations. And then all of a sudden they're like, we're going to flip everything upside down on you and you'll see yeah. how it goes. We had it, we had it pretty well. I mean, we had it pretty well dialed in. We had a pretty yeah. good distribution network set up. We had it kind of figured out, you know, 
stuff was moving back and forth to where it needed to go. <laughs> now yeah. it just kind of held up waiting for these abbreviated words and acronyms to happen to it so that the people can get their product. Um, Amazing. I'm sure they didn't come and ask you guys, hey, you've been doing this for two generations now. How should you how should we do it based upon the way that you guys have been doing? Well, they did it? ask for our vote. And then once they had our vote, they just did what they want. But we're kind of used to how that goes. I was going to say, that's pretty consistent. That's their only <laughs> consistency. Right Straight there. up politics there. <laughs> that is their only consistency right there. It's like, oh, did you vote for me? All right. There you go. There you go. Right. Double bird. <laughs> yes. That is it. That, that brings up, oh, that's such a fascinating point that we really haven't. I mean, we've vaguely touched on, but that distribution network is... And I keep saying this because it, it's it's stuck in my crawl and it bothers me that I, especially because I know I'm getting to know all these growers uh, personally. And then when you know that, you see where your your cannabis comes from. And it's like, it bothers me. I can't go on your website at Hogwash Farms and be like, hey, what do y'all got right now? Send me some through the mail because that's how everyone already does it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything new. My favorite comedian, one of my favorite comedians of all time, Mitch Hedberg, his joke was like, I love the FedEx got FedEx driver because he's a drug dealer and he don't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> one of the best jokes I've ever heard. But yeah. that's that is such a curious thing where you're just like, ask them how they're 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 doing it really well. You guys can't catch them. That's how good the highway is. Like, let's. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let's keep even, doing that even during COVID, a substantial amount of it was shifting back and forth how we know how it happens we don't know but nobody ever ran out of it there was a lot more of it consumed in the last 12 to 16 months than ever before in history whoopsie must be that hole under the fence <laughs> the wind wind travels east yeah, I guess. You just throw it up there <laughs> there's actually that much of it that it's everywhere now yeah <laughs> Which is fantastic. I still think a lot of the West Coast stuff needs to be everywhere else now. I mean, just even back in the you know medical or people's market days, you know, just the things that I was getting growing up on the East Coast was garbage compared to what was on the West Coast. And like as the West Coast just keeps getting better, I'm like, this needs to really go out there. So it is frustrating that we're locked into just state sales and everything like that you know i look forward to the days when people can be like oh shit all my favorite rappers have always talked about cali weed and now me and rhode island i know exactly what they're talking about <laughs> and they're gonna be like nah the southern stuff's not that great <laughs> it's only it's only the northern california stuff the humboldt california. i like but the bay area up is pretty fun yeah yeah but bay area down it's very inconsistent <laughs> and i live yeah, down a lot, of, a lot of the quick term cannabis crops you know we we grow long-term um, food crops and produce and animals and long-term um, cultivated animals are way healthier and long-term cultivated plants have a lot more nutrients and biodiversity inside of the plant that really brings that all the phytonutrients to the to the table for people when they're consuming the products whether it's through vapor pens edibles or even just orally smoking it so there's Keep a going. preach <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a is a huge amount well i 
not only are we, I've been, I've been cultivating canvas my entire life. I haven't had a year off since I was a toddler working with my parents in the cannabis fields before, be, well before the campaign against marijuana planting started in Humboldt County. And it was, you know, there wasn't very good strains back then. We were, you know, we were making our own strains and starting from just sativa plants that we were getting out of Mexican. My dad was smoking. And then we started getting some indica seeds, just as the story goes from some of the locals that went to Afghanistan and we started making the crosses and getting our own crops going. And a lot of those strains are, are really lost now um, in the genetic fields because we've had so much interbreeding and diversity here in Humboldt County that tracking down the true roots of the original seeds are, are harder than most people could imagine because I mean, there's been millions and millions and millions of crosses have come out of here from people. I mean, we. We call it we call a male just basically an accidental cross, but it's like every time you got a really good stable male that crosses to five different strains, you just made twenty five to thirty new phenotypes, and it's just a matter of a little bit more work and using those seeds, and you get them by the bucket loads, you know. <laughs> yeah, get all the seeds. Yeah, it, you know, it becomes a whole nother. <clears throat> excuse me, it becomes a whole nother crop. We're like, oh, we just made another ten years supply of seeds to cultivate on our farm and you find so many different beautiful strains within those as you're actually looking through them over the years that you actually really enjoy cultivating um, i i just some posted, of your favorites yeah <laughs> sorry yeah. i got i got so i'm like i'm geeking out right now this is a great one jill i'll let her talk so i don't hog the whole microphone <laughs> yeah what are your some of your favorites jill favorite um, we do have one favorite on our farm, though, that yeah, she's like, which one is that? <laughs> it's actually a cross between a, the Fruit Loop from Johnny's farm that we crossed into a, um, a Harlocks, which was a CBD strain. Oh. We, made a, uh, we made what we call the Star Fruit. Well, we made the Mountain Medicine out of his strain. And then we also made the Star Fruit out of his strain also, which is an early super, super fruity strain that we made that's more of a hybrid um harvest super, super early in like september 14th and then really has just like a super all-encompassing uh tropical um terpene profile to it that is just it just mm. sucks you right in where you're like oh my god i don't want to leave this plant <laughs> um so we've got a few that we've made here on the farm that we that we cultivate you know annually every year just because they're true to our heart and then we try to keep with some of the exotics because they leave us with some products that people are really wanting to get on the, into their shelves and into their pre-rolls and jars so kind of trying to learn how this this market works you know we got to grow 17 18 strains to kind of have a, a menu versus back in the day you could just grow 1500 pounds of la confidential and sell it to the distribu distribution network yeah <laughs> i mean that's for sure like every so i harvest every 16 days indoors and like i every time i'm trying to match like okay well we have our gassy and then we have our fruity and we always gotta hit and then oh no the strain is not hot anymore but i started growing this round three to four months ago so i'm already screwed like it's such you an ice cream cake of course you know it that's <laughs> <laughs> funny you know what he's so funny oh a lot <laughs> hey that's just the hard truth right now but that doesn't mean i mean you know og owned the market from like what 2000 
2013 to 2020 and literally destroyed the price of anything that didn't have OG in it. Yeah. And it's nice to see the market kind of level out and see exotics and different strains kind of have a playing field. And not many people are asking for OG, which is to me is humorous because I hated growing that. <laughs> I was like, not me. No OG for me. So tired of this one. I just, I don't do heavy indica gas. I got way too much energy to be all lethargic. I'm, yes. I was that whole, yes, the whole time I was like, why do y'all like this? I need something that peps me up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So for me, one of my favorite things about this industry is, you know, the the partnerships that go along with cannabis. How did you two guys meet? Jill? He just looked at her. Uh, we, I'm sorry, this is on audio, so I need to pay. That was well, such you know, a funny moment. Like any good couple, he just said, I'm going to let her answer that. <laughs> well, how did we meet? I'm a real good hugger. <laughs> everyone sort of knows everyone, right? It's a small community. So. It's a one street town. Yeah. <laughs> Two one street towns connected with a street. Um, I, well, I, I remember my first memory of Eric, we were rafting down the Trinity River, and I believe he was in the back, in the rear, yeah, with, and he hit me in the head with the paddle in the front. <laughs> so that was always like, that's my memory of him, and I was like. <laughs> All right. He's doing caveman style. Yeah. 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 He's doing caveman style, trying to knock you out and bring you back. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> it worked. And that's been uh, to almost 27 years. Wow. Hey, I have friends back home in East Tennessee, and uh, my friend got her attention by putting a dead possum on her car during school. <laughs> and we all made so much fun of him, and they're still married. It's fun. It makes me, I was like, that. <laughs> It's weird how you got their attention back. It was. <laughs> well, like, yeah, about a month later, I was like, son of a bitch, that worked. That worked, you guys. <laughs> you got one of the treasure chest. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm assuming both of you guys were in cannabis at the same time? When we got together? Yeah. But- <laughs> Mostly um, just because it's Humboldt, and I assume yeah, everybody's yeah, doing it. I mean, Jill predominantly was in, you know, was part of the trim crews back in the early days when they would go out and work in the big sunbud patches and trim and do the trim organizing for the, you know, before before we had all the Europeans and the Latinos coming in to do the work. It was actually done by the local girls that would go out and sit and do all the all the trimming. So she did she did a lot of that. Um, when she got to be of that, of a pretty young age in Humboldt County. Like how old? High school. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, I I mean, the first time I really grew on my own, I mean, I grew when I was a kid with my parents, my mom. Yeah. Well, um, she she left me with the the garden for a couple weeks when she had to go to New York. She left me a list of like, what days I needed to water, what I needed to do. And um, so that was my first big experience. And then from then it was like when I was in high school, I grew because I wanted to have some funds to go to college. And so I had to um, 
I didn't go the first year or first semester of college due to having to harvest. And uh, so the following year in January, I ended up going to college. Yeah. So that, that's sort of, you know, what I did. I sort of did that off and on to support myself to do college. That's amazing. Like, that's what I love. And I and the whole hope of this podcast is to inform the public, like, a lot of this is just families just being like, hey, I want to go to college, I want to do something, you know, I want to take care of my family, I want to do these things. It's not what I think a lot of Dateline and other stuff has put out there, like, ah, it's this and that, you know, there's some of that too. But a lot of it is like, hey, I want to go to college, and I don't want to be $80,000 in debt to start yeah, off with. Right. <laughs> yeah. you know so it's a beautiful thing to hear and to just hear how community driven it is too well you know when we i mean when jill was a little girl and, and i was a very young child it was you know it was the culture was really under the under the rug even though no matter if it was hippies rednecks or loggers you basically everybody cultivated cannabis at some level whether they expose themselves to the rest of the community unlike it is now um so it's just a lot of folks were like nope even until recently uh not us but they were always all their kids were out digging holes and putting in plants (laughs) every one of them i mean i grew up i also grew up not only did my family cultivate cannabis but we ran a, a bulk dirt supply and from 1976 into like 1989 selling cannabis cultivation supplies and magazines and grow lights to all of the farmers locally. So my dad started one of the, the actual original businesses that sold amendments and potting soils. So we, Man, that's awesome. We were strong and we had lots of fertilizer for our farm because we were ripping bags and we loaded, we loaded everyone's trucks. So we kind of knew who was cultivating. It was pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. Yeah. That's... Bags of chicken manure and 3,000 foot of pipe. <laughs> 40 shovels, you know. <laughs> you building a rocket? Yeah. <laughs> we're cattle ranchers. And we're like, yeah, it's the first time we've seen cattle ranchers in here. <laughs> so they did that. My parents did that for a really long time um, until they did all the Operation Green Merchant and federal, um, federal busts on cultivation amendment businesses. They were actually raiding and serving Lawrence on them. And my parents got swept into one of those operation green merchant raids which back in the day really affected your business really so like the the federal government was coming because you know i managed a grow shop for six years but the, so the federal government actually came in and raided grow shops like we had our bank account shut down we had cops testing us regularly but they came in and raided your family's business operation green merchant 1989 I think 1989, I believe it would have been because I would have been turning 18. And then they raided, my parents had, they rented their an, a building to the Pacific Justice Center, which was Ron Sinaway and Mel Pearlston and Mark Harris, which were like the like renowned California um, legal attorneys for cannabis um, civil um, defense and stuff. So they, they actually had an office there when the federal government came up with all the feds and raided my parents' grow shop and they were making video, they made videos of the whole raid, but they basically had Oh House, Scram Scales, Sense Me a Tip magazines, if you've ever heard of those. They're really old school. Yeah. And they sold grow lights and potting salt. And 
we gave advice on cultivation. So that was the basis of the federal government's raid was basically selling literature and, and grow lights and gram scales. Whoa, so literature. Literature. You <laughs> betcha, baby. Really? <laughs> Yeah. Man, like, that I'm yeah. just that that just um, riles me up so bad. <laughs> they, they're just like, hey, you can't have books about this. You like, can't what? Read about this. That's right. <laughs> well, actually, you, you you can't have these things together either, right? Like, you can't have a scale in a book about cannabis <laughs> and a grow light because that means cannabis. So. God, now what happened to your like? Did they get arrested? What happened? Well, at that point, my parents had a, you know my dad had moved some of his seeds, his seed stash, which is pretty much where all of his original genetics disappeared to. The federal government confiscated them in their in their bus. So he had a few pounds of weed and a few thousand seeds. So, oh. <laughs> you know that was his bad mistake for bringing them to town where they shouldn't have been or to his business, but. So after that, you know, once a, once there's a raid performed on a business back in the, in the late 80s, people didn't really frequent your shop at all because there was this thing called, hey, they're still in business. They must be informants now. So everybody kind of was like, well, business is kind of shitty. So we sold it to somebody else and immediately once it got a new owner, it just took right back off and became oh. successful. And but I mean, operating today under the same name, um, Silvanil Garden Supply. Um, in between Red Wing and Garberville, so you can't. That's what I mean. Ugh, that's a tough situation, and I think they probably did that on purpose to you guys, to them. Oh, they do everything on purpose. They yeah. have this thing called an agenda. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. So that. So then, you guys were pretty young, or at least at a formative age when camp first came in. You oh, know, nineteen eighty. 384 when they were first started doing heavy overflights with you know vietnam veterans with belt fed machine guns and huey helicopters mm. we, right. we we try and paint a picture for the listeners what it was like before that and then what it was like after that so like you know especially with somebody going through their early 20s what was that switch like for you guys well i mean in I mean, it we started were, in the in the 80s. It, we were like 10, 80s. 12 years old before when we were first being assaulted by, and, and I mean, the assault that happened in the early 80s from 81 to 83, that because it was the initial assault that was pretty, probably the most traumatic to most of us youngsters because of the fact that they didn't have any rules of how low they flew. I mean, they would be literally hanging out, the, out, out of the windows with belt-fed machine guns locked and loaded with families growing corn and some weed scattered between it, you know, quite a bit of weed because that's when you have a lot of seeds, you grow a lot of stuff. We grew a lot of food. We grew a lot of weeds, but when they came in the the treatment that of the persecution that they put on the families of Southern Humboldt, literally Southern Humboldt, there's very few areas that got hammered as hard as we did. I mean, they would, literally steal the bathtub you were using for the water, the, roll the chicken wire up, steal the dirt, the pots, throw your three-wheeler in the net and take it all over to the con camp up in Carverville, go to the tire shop in Redway, get a huge truckload of tires, go throw them all in the pile with the weed and light it all on fire and then soot the whole community out with fucking like 300 burning black tires. That was the sheriff's department and the, and the government, federal government. 
That's the kind of stuff that they did. Fill our valley, like just with the blackest, most disgusting. You're like, what? What was the reasoning behind that? Well, they were, they, first of all, they would take the cannabis to the conservation camp, which is a, basically a prison. And they would have to try to get rid of it all and burn it all so that the cons wouldn't go out there and have access to it. But that never stopped them because as soon as they got done, the cons would be out there like gathering the, the burnt tires and ashes off the ground and like eating it. I mean, it was it was crazy, the stuff. And they want to act like, you know, the, the government's always been trying to make it healthier. It's like they did nothing. They spilled more fuel, caused more havoc than most of the growers combined because they don't have their it's vengeance for them when they're on scene, you know? I mean, being chased by helicopters happened thousands of times. Got good at it. It was actually part of the reason. I mean, when I, 89 was when I was supposed to drop out of high school. Well, I actually dropped out in 88, but supposed to graduate in 89. And everybody I went to school with either joined the military or they went to college because they didn't want to join the military and go to Desert Storm when they first started the wars in Iraq. And I just decided if I was going to a war, I'd just stay in Humboldt County and stay in the war on drugs because it was the one I was born in. And it's the one I was going to stay in. And so, I, I, mean, I used to stand in the rally court and be like, we need to plant more weed than these fuckers can pull out. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that's like fireworks in L.A. Fireworks in L.A. are illegal, but everyone shoots them because it's like, fuck you. You can't stop us. That's right. Um, right. Oh, it makes me laugh every time. Oh, the 4th of July looks like Baghdad. It's amazing. Um, let me. I, so you knew you had friends you grew up with dodging the helicopters, and then they went and joined the military. I had friends that, like all the kids I went to school with in high school, whether they were the CHP's kids or the Caltrans workers' kids or Rednecks' kids. We had choices when you were, you know, in 1989 in the early 90s. Like, what are you going to do when you grow up? You going to school, boy? Are you going to join the military and serve your country? And I was kind of like, I didn't really, I didn't test well. I felt like I feel like I'm fairly smart. I didn't test well. So I just kind of like fucked school all up and was like D's and F's for my good grades. <laughs> you were working all the time. And my dad was and like, school was just more like a social event for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that. I get like, that trust too. me. Yeah. Ventured <laughs> servants to my dad's um, reign of cultivating. And we were always cultivating. <laughs> so we were, we were the family that didn't come to school for like three or four weeks in the fall because my dad believed that all families stayed home and brought in the harvest. So they'd be like, where were you? We're like, don't you know? We were harvesting. <laughs> we were harvesting tomatoes. Yeah, there's a lot of tomatoes out there. I mean, it's not too <laughs> wrong. In my bedroom, they're over the kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> there's a French guy trimming them. It's great. <laughs> yeah, both sides of the fence, all the way up the driveway. <laughs> yeah lots i mean just year after year after year because i mean as soon as my as soon as we were probably about seven eight years old was when we were able to go out and start helping in, in the outside gardens ourselves and these were not gardens that were inside in our front yard like they are today they were like down the gully no trail camel it as you came and went you know like way out in the bushes fighting the rats and bringing your chicken wire and dealing with trying to get your little spring boxes going and you know a hundred pounds is like it is was a huge harvest back in the 80s huge 100 pounds of weed at like the highest price and like 94 probably 6400 a pound for outdoor pounds sold to san jose 
you know. And so we've seen it go from when my parents, when I was a little kid, from like $500 a pound in like 73 when my mom sold their first weed to $500 a pound two years ago. <laughs> when we- <laughs> Well, well, and that's kind of, you know, I think that's the more refreshing thing about it because all farmers go through it. But for people who have been in it for a very long time, you're able to weather the storm. Like you can see it like, you know, the amount of people I saw drop out of cannabis cultivation who had only been in it for a couple of years when the price went down. Like to me, I'm like, you guys don't know what it means to be in this your whole life. Like, you know, people like you who've seen it go through camp, go through all these ups and downs and still keep coming back to it. You understand it in a whole different way. I think they got, I think they get into it with the understanding that they can get out of it, but I was bred into it. I can't get out of it. And by the way, I mean, cannabis is taking care of me and Jill our entire life. And on top of just being, you know, excessively, we work all the time with our farms and our, we, you know, we grow our own pigs or chickens are all, we grow our own olives to make our olive oil and food all over the place. So it's not just the cannabis that we pride ourselves in. Do you sell any of that olive oil? Oh yeah. We actually gift olive oil (laughs) and apparel. (laughs) (laughs) We yeah, at the beginning of the Zoom call, we were like, this would be so much easier at the farm. Now Millie and Billy are like, we gotta go to this farm. We we're we're coming in June. <laughs> we're coming up in June. We're gonna I'm gonna awesome. do some I'm gonna do some shows and I know how to do it proper. So <laughs> I wanna say I'm gonna it's gonna be fun. We're gonna I, we don't have to interview anybody, we're just gonna hang out. We're just Holy gonna chill. Shit. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just one hell of an interview. That's well, that is yeah, that is humble. Oh, it's just it's a giant hang. So I love it. We're coming to make bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Mike was like. What act? I was like, I'm just talking about humble. That's all I'm going to talk I'm about. I was like, it's <laughs> I, now I really know it, and I really make fun of it. It's going to be fun. Well, you know, and so we've uh, we have like a twenty-two thousand square foot farm. We don't do a lot of mixed light. It's mainly sun-grown outdoor, large holes. Um, the three best type, average. You know, on our well, what we do. So. It's it's a full time a full season commitment where we have to take it all the way to the end. So there's not a lot of this flipping and flopping and shoveling dirt and replanting and dealing with all the extra bullshit watering during the heat and stress. And, <laughs> and for us, we seem to find it a little bit more simpler for us to not have to have just all the impact of the plastic and you know trimmers three times a year and harvesting. It's like talk about making the one thing that makes me not want to do it is have to grow more weed to have more trimmers. <laughs> I just am like, no, certain things about keeping it small and keeping it modest. That is the only way we're going to be able to keep it kind of within grasp. Um, and I, Johnny, I don't know if Johnny's told you, but we, I also run humble alchemy group and own humble alchemy group, which is a type six manufacturing license. No. Oh, yeah. Tell us all about it. So <clears throat> we're trying to do many, you know, Right now we do pre-roll manufacturing for a few companies and we have a CO2 extraction distillation in the distillate um, factory that we've set up. I'm building out a 2000 square foot commercial edible kitchen to tie into it all. Um, Finished with all the build out (laughs) interiors. So we get to start putting stainless into it and getting ready to finish out the final of the expansion of our licensing. So we can start getting some edibles and stuff coming together, hopefully. 
So we got a lot of hats and a lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> nice. For, for two people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Typical farmer shit. You guys mm-hmm. are like, give me more jobs. Give me more things. So, and the, the, the place that I do all the manufacturing at is in my parents' old property on the 101 between the Avenue of the Giants and the 101 just north of Redway. That's the Silvendale, old Silvendale Garden Supply where we started selling potting soil and they got raided. Now it's my manufacturing facility for cannabis products. That's amazing. I That's yeah, one of the most love. heartwarming. So, so it's converted from being a Redwood Jewel Box to a cannabis lawyer uh, farm supply to an actual cannabis manufacturing hub in Southern Humboldt now. Uh, that's such a bit and that at its root shows you kind of what humble is is cannabis will always be there it has always been there and it kind of just keeps changing with the times but ultimately it's a lot of times the same people who are doing it like you know it is the backbone of the community i think the problem is that they've been here trying to get rid of it get it out of our hands forever and that's our main goal is to is to get rid of it too just not to them. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to do our best to get it, to get it and get rid of it too. If you just stay out of the mix, <laughs> we got yes. homies. We want to get rid of it too. <laughs> yeah, we've got this whole thing taken care of. Just tell us just a lit. Just give us one price. We'll pay you. Now go away and let us do this. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. It far too hard to, for for us folks to really try to figure out how to succeed, especially on what we want to call somewhat of a fixed income anymore, you know? Yep. Well, that's part of why we're doing what we're doing is to, so the public knows who, who they're voting against and voting for when they go into these ballots and what, and how they can protect the, their community, because this is being from East Tennessee and being from farmers and that ilk, and being such a cannabis connoisseur and lover, it's to me is something I recognized really quick when I moved to the West Coast 15 years ago or whatever, was that, oh, God, th- there's so much farmland that is waiting throughout this country to be saved by this plant. Yeah, It's crazy. And how quick, like, just fuck tobacco, just hemp. <laughs> Throw it down there. Let's do it. It's everywhere. Throw oh, it down there. Fuck to- grow tobacco. That's got to be some pretty clean tobacco. <sighs> That's the one thing about cannabis is that if you want to convert your farm, first of all, cannabis is like a shop back when it comes to sucking pesticide out of the ground. And they plant it around Chernobyl to suck the radiation out. Then they take the hemp and they burn it to make us radioactive ash so they can store that. Yes, tell them. This has no problem cleaning up the mess. It's just the the, the cannabis becomes the mess because you can't sell it, right? So if you go and take a shitty piece of farmland and try to plant a regulated crop, you're just going to get poisonous weed. Yeah. 
the wonders of a bioaccumulator. But to me, that's the perfect metaphor for yeah. cannabis is like whatever you're going to give it, it's going to suck up and it's going to be a mirror reflection for you. I know a lot of people's gardens, if they're going through emotional turmoil, mm -hmm. going through a breakup or something like their farms will be a mirror reflection of it. And you'll be like, oh, that dude is going through something during that cycle. You can see that energy exactly yeah, you spend enough time with with any types of plants like within three or four hours of showing up at a, at a farm of even my farm where they're like hey i've been missing you and i'm sorry i've been gone for a day or two three hours later they they look bigger they're more perky i mean they, they feed on human attention as much as i feed on my 50 plus my 50 plus year relationship that i've been lucky enough to have with them i mean my entire life living in humble county and cultivating cannabis from, I mean, my parents moved from Southern California in 1970 in July, and we've been here growing weed ever since. Oh. And then I didn't leave to go to school. I dropped out of school because they told me I'd had to come back and get straight A's, and maybe I'd still have to come back. And I was like, oh, dude, I just made 40 grand. I'm out. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what you do? I'm like, I'm going to go grow weed. And he's like, I have no doubt in my mind you won't be successful. So. My counselor didn't tell me soon enough that I was going to drop, that I was going to fail all my schooling. So I just left. I had, when I quit college to go do stand up, I had a counselor that was like, you should probably do that. <laughs> you should quit school. Yeah. He was like, he was like, you should quit and go do stand up. And I was like, yeah, and I was so expecting him like to tell me, hey, what's your backup job? And he just went, no, you should go do that. You'll do well at that. And I was like, cool. All right. <laughs> Motherfucker was right. Yeah, yeah, right. His name was Mr. Rocha. So it was kind of like, yeah, I was like, you got the right name. <laughs> yeah, he knew something. He knew what, was up. what he was talking about. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much for for spending your time with us and then a little extra time and being yeah, patient and we figured it out and we do we're coming in june just to hang and we would love to come see you guys yeah like, our farms will be we won't be planted but they'll be in full working force there'll be plants getting about waist high and stuff oh. starting to look good so well that's yeah and it doesn't matter where you guys are at it's just seeing the farms and stuff it just makes lab. We can, hopefully our lab is up and running we'll maybe have a bunch of pre-roll manufacturing and packaging happening and Ooh. working on a few we're working on a few brands it's it's struggle trying to get the local farmers to um to really put their heart and soul and some of their money into trying to wrap in their product themselves and you know it's just a there's a huge financial burden that comes with packaging product and getting the work done and getting all the COAs and you know yeah I kind of look at it like fuck it I don't care what it costs me I don't care if I lose money I'm doing this I've lost money in almost everything else they've had me do <laughs> boom so I just throw it out there you know I'm gonna give people a good deal on weed they're like well it doesn't look like it's good weed I'm like no it's two half gram joints for 250 that's a great deal on some great weed it's just that you know if I call it 10 bucks you'd probably buy it yeah <laughs> they're like hell yeah that's a great price that must be good week so you know i believe in trying to 
He's very right. He, you just <laughs> described the Southern California consumer. Yeah. <laughs> Five dollars. That's got to be shit. That's shit. You're like, I don't know. My nose. I'll take four. Says it smell. I'll take that stuff that's twenty dollars. That's cheaper than this because it smells real good. Yeah. I know that other stuff has lights on it or whatever, but <laughs> nice package. That's what a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like nine nine out of ten clients, I think buy based on packaging. Oh. And then they rebuy based on product. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. it's we eat with our uh eyes first, way yeah, before yeah. our stomach. I know. I know. <laughs> what is all this shit I got? <laughs> you but you can car, you dump it all out. <laughs> you can you can educate yourself and flip it, you guys. And that's why you're listening to this podcast, meeting dope people like this. You guys, thank you so much for your yeah. time. We are hitting the end of the podcast. Um Tell everyone where they can find you social media wise, website and all that stuff. I wash farms, Instagram. Hogwashfarm.com. Hogwash farms. You guys Google hogwash farms, Instagram, or they have a website. What was that? The farms with a pH like pharmacy. Ah, yeah. that's important too. That's dope. I like that a lot. You get like off in Vermont, and there's like 385 businesses called Hogwash Farms in Vermont. No, we're yeah. talking about the California Connect. So that's yeah. For the pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, thank you so much. Come see us. No, we'll see. Yeah, we're going to see you in January. We're for sure coming down. I got Good. That was a good episode. Oh, was, I just, I really I, do think John should just run for mayor of Humboldt. I think he already is. Like, I don't think. I think that that's the thing you don't run for. I think they just tell you. <laughs> and I think he already is. Because every connection he has into this community just gets us deeper and like the real part of this community like you know when you first go to Humboldt there's a lot of t-shirt shops that say Humboldt and everything and it's very surface level but then meeting John and meeting these people you get a deep sense of what this community is and just these people they've been getting you high your entire life I guarantee you that some of you out there have smoked some of their weed just through, you know, the network. That's what he's talking about. The network. network. And so it's just, it's the most beautiful part of it. That's why we're still, this wasn't part of the initial plan to make this season this long. But when, when they invited us into the cradle of cannabis culture for the United States, you know, like it was like, I think Mike and I didn't even, there was no talk of like, hey, should we keep doing this? It was like, when can we go again? Because they want us to go deeper. And I was like, I would talk to everybody. I want to find the first seed. Do you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's how exciting. And I will do updates. Like, I guarantee you, well, I mean, in June when we get back, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah, farm but, party. But we're also, it's that thing too of like, as cool, like we could keep doing humble and we want to do it justice. That's why we've taken our time and 
we will definitely go back to these some of these places but there's so many new places to go to and we got to go to where it all started that's where we're going next season we're going to colorado colorado you guys thank you so much if you guys we are starting we have an ad sales system now so hit us up grown local pod if you want to uh if you want to advertise with us hit us up grown local pod at gmail.com uh especially if you have a cannabis centric company that is our bread and butter you know what i'm talking about so uh you guys also hit us up on instagram grown local pod twitter grown local pod and the patreon we have several tiers the five dollar tier gets you a lot of extra bonus episodes we got a lot of dime bags coming up and we got that to work coming up and then for 25 bucks a month which is very affordable to what you are going to learn we are doing a grow your own where mike is teaching me and a green beret justin lassick how to grow no-till living soil organic cannabis in a tent in my house mother not in my house but <laughs> now undisclosed location thank you so much we love you love you guys grow your own grow your own thanks lee sleep, sleep.